Father, I pray for everyone here and all those online and all those around the world who will hear this message. We care for our physical health. Amen. We care for our spiritual health. Amen. But I pray for the wisdom to care for this mind. You've given us a mind. And I pray for wisdom for everybody who hears these words. That they will be wiser because of them. And be more prepared because of them. So bless this morning our mentality. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So many years ago. I was asked to take part in a musical miming, right? And the musical was about the life of Jesus, and I had the part of Jesus. And my friend Jeff Beck was playing Satan. I'm glad I got the Jesus bit. <laughs> so he was playing Satan, and we, it was really it was a big event. I think it was 6,000 people, and we ran for three nights. It was in Singapore. They spent a fortune on it, and it was a professional production. We had a professional director in stage producer called Mark Dako from Nigeria so he really knew his business and we did everything everything was over and it was like revision time how do you think it went and the director was telling everybody this that and the other and Satan I mean Jeff <laughs> Satan said um, well if I next year if I was playing Satan I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that you see and I just commented, yeah, and if I was Jesus, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that. And Mark, the professional, he said, uh -uh, sorry guys, you never get to take those roles twice. Very interesting. You what? No, no. You never get to stand up there on the platform with all the eyes on you. You never get to hear the round of applause twice you never get to be Satan twice you might start acting like him before you know it <laughs> you never get to be Jesus twice you might start thinking you're him before you know it I never forgot that and this is why I say if you put the clock back many years one of the things I would talk to myself about is the content of this message this morning I think as churches we are often irresponsible with giving people positions and titles you're already there aren't you you're ahead of me without the comprehension or the management of the effect on the individual slap, slap them in a ministry up here like where's your honey I won't say how many years, many years, standing there, and me the same, many years, and how many people ever, ever pulled you aside, nobody with me, and said, how is that affecting you? You have a public ministry, how is it changing you? Have you changed the way you think about yourself? Are, are you deluded? Ministry in madness, you see? A lot of, I know a lot of people, so do you. We all know people who at one point, they were successful. They were normal. They were normal. And they start, something started to get in their head and suddenly they think they're, they're all that. They're changed. And they end up in a mess. 
I haven't got time to go into details, but I've been sharing with my wife this week some of the pastors that I've dealt with. The only word I can describe to describe their behavior is total madness. Total, is this what ministry's done to you? You've ruined your reputation, your family, your life. You, you've ruined everything. And all the good you did. Nobody says one word about it. The only thing they know is this idiotic, stupid thing that you've just done. And I told you not to do it. Yeah. Crazy things. By people who should know better. That's just madness to me. You gotta be careful with the ministry. It's a serious, serious, serious business. As I talk about mental health this morning, I wanna clear something up before I start. I'm not talking about clinical mental health. I'm not talking about conditions like depression or schizophrenia. Can you just put that aside? That is not my topic. I'm not qualified in that, okay? Got no right to talk about that in that sense. So, and I have the height of respect for the pain and understanding it's affected my family. So in no way am I disparaging that or undermining that at all. But please put that aside. That's not my point. I'm not talking about clinical conditions. Okay? Talking about something completely different. As we've been praying about this, a couple of weeks actually, isn't it? This, uh, this has been in my heart. What makes Christians just crazy, huh? They do stupid things. Well, sin. If you intentionally, now here's a word for someone in the room. <laughs> if you intentionally, in full knowledge that what you're doing is wrong, if you intentionally, persistently break the, the, the word of God within you, you are in danger of going a little bit crazy, my friend. Your decisions in the end, in the end, you're on a journey. And if you persistently, intentionally, knowingly continue in errors in your business, in your family, in your morals, you're mad. You're tinkering with madness. You're on the road. You're on a dangerous road. Remember the prodigal son? He lost his mind. He's got a father who loves him. He's got, he's got an inheritance coming his way. He doesn't have to take anything. He's already going to be, you know, inheriting the whole place with his brother. He lost his mind. The prodigal, you know that? You know what it says in scripture? When he came to his senses. Ah, there you go. It wasn't a spiritual attack as such then, was it? It was his mentality. In another version, it says when he came to his right mind. Sin will drive you nuts. It will cause you in the end to make decisions today people would never believe you would make. Not today. But that's the end result. C.S. Lewis put this very well. He said, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little bit different than it was before. And you're taking your whole life, 
With all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning that central part of you either into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature. Wow. And he goes on to say, you will end up one kind of creature or the other. A heavenly creature full of joy and peace and knowledge that you're in right place with your God. Or you'll end up an evil creature, a hellish creature. Listen to this. With madness, horror, and idiocy, and rage within you. And I'm sorry to say I've counseled too many pastors in this. At the end of persistent, intentional sin. In that state of mind and state of life. Oh yeah, sin will make you mad. Sin can make you do mad things. Not just mad things, stupid. Sin makes Christians stupid. It makes them angry, makes them uncomfortable, makes them lonely, depressed, regressive, going backwards instead of forwards, unstable, and very, very deluded. So yes, there's clinical stuff. We're not talking about that today. But just simple sin can make you do mad things. Thirdly, there's examples in Scripture where God actually imposed madness upon people as a judgment. Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he's king, and it goes to his head. He starts to say, I, look at what I, look at what I built. I built this, I built that, I, I, I. God was vexed and handed him over to insanity, madness, a madness imposed by God. Pharaoh was the same, right? Pharaoh went out there, very much like Putin today. And I'm going to mention Putin a few times because it's a, it's a current example that's very real to us. But Putin is willing to destroy his own, God, it's so hard to watch, isn't it? You're willing to butcher your own people. What got in you? What kind of being is this? Unbelievable. This is Pharaoh. This is the madness of Pharaoh. Send all my people and let them drown. What should I care? This is the I, the ultimate I in Pharaoh, the ultimate I, right, in Nebuchadnezzar. So there is a madness that God himself can put upon people. In Romans chapter 1, talking about uh, much more current issues, it says, Further, furthermore, just as, he, just as they did not think to retain the knowledge, so they knew right and wrong, just so they did not think to retain in their minds the knowledge, God gave them over to a depraved mind. I'm just going to let you go. God gave them over. So there is a, a madness. He gave them over. He passed them over. And they went a little bit crazy. None of that is my point. <laughs> None of that is the issue today. I want to talk about point four. It's a completely different thing. <clears throat> I want to talk about ministry and madness. Especially for people who've been in ministry a longer time. Like you, Ferlin. Many years. Or David and Emma here. Many years in churches all your lives. Many of you looking around this room. You've been there forever. Right? That has an effect. That has an effect on you. It has an effect in your mentality, guys. Hello, wakey, wakey. 
You're going to start thinking about yourself in wacky ways if you're not careful. You know, one of the most effective ministers of history was Reinhard Bonnke. And in his book, Evangelism by Fire, he said this. Listen to this. This is an effective long-term minister. He said this. There were many times that I had to go in my room on my own, get down on the floor, and hold my head just to stop going insane. I remember that line. Such was the pressure of the ministry. Such was the attack it was driving me mad. Am I going out of my mind, he was saying. Not just Bonky, Elijah. Elijah was very effective, right? Great prophet. And look at him, depression. He wants to die. Ministry has driven him to virtual suicide, suicidal thoughts. I wish I was dead. The pressure of this game is so great. Wow. And if you think about Paul's deliberations in Romans and in Corinthians, when he's talking about the way he's being treated, I would ask you to think about this again, Andy. Think about, think about what he's saying. Think about it yesterday. They don't recognize me as an apostle, but I know I'm an apostle. I don't need their recognition. They beat me. You know, they've shipwrecked me. I've been through all this. Just, yes, I was thinking, Paul's talking to himself. <laughs> I mean, he's writing the Bible. But you know what he's doing? He's exercising his pain. He's analyzing his own journey. That's what he's doing. That's what David's doing in Psalms. He's talking to him. In fact, he literally spoke to himself. Why are you downcast on my soul? I'm fine. Thank you very much. <laughs> David was talking to himself all the time, encouraging himself in the Lord. Praise God. May God help us be balanced in our life and not fall over because of longevity. May longevity in ministry to you be a blessing. Amen. The study of words is called etymology. And one etymologist called Mike Titani, he wrote a question in one forum, one chat group. This is the question. Great question. He said this. We use the word veteran to describe someone who's been doing something for a long time and now they're really good at it. We use the word veteran as an accolade. It's a compliment. Veteran chef, veteran soldier, veteran nurse. And his question in the study of words, what word exists to describe someone who's been doing something a long time but it's a disaster? What word exists? And it was just a general question, you see, in that community. And all these suggestions started coming in. Do you know what the answer is? <laughs> there isn't one. Isn't that an eight? It's a blind spot. Got a blind spot. Hello? <laughs> we got a blind spot here. It's not always positive just because you've done something a long time. Not always positive. And very often, sorry, but very often it's negative. And just as in etymology that's a problem, in the church it's a problem. They need to come up. Those guys need to create a word, right, for that. And we need to have an awareness of that. Many successful people here this morning, thank God. Good on you. Well done. Good. Fantastic. Just be careful, huh? Just be careful. 
Studies show that those who are successful, not just ministry, I mean everything, anything, whatever you do, whatever your business world career is, those who are successful, statistics show, those who are successful for a long period of time, veterans, they tend to act impulsively. They start to change. They tend to drive carelessly. They tend to communicate aggressively. They lose regard for the individual. They can become narcissistic, egotistical, etc., etc., etc. Now, I've been pastoring churches like this a long time and much, much, much larger ones than this, international ones with multiple ethnic groups. Linda over here grew up with many churches in Glasgow at that time. And I always say the same warning to internationals. Because once I asked in this church who was born in the, who was born in the UK, I think I had one hand or something. Remember that day? That's shocking. That's shocking. But one thing I will say that's been consistent, whether the church was Pakistani, Indian, or Chinese, or whatever. One thing that I'll say that's been consistent in every church in my ministry time is this the deteriorating testimony. Yeah. Over time, people get mad in their madness, <laughs> crazy thoughts. The deteriorating testimony, it goes like this. Phase one, okay, just arrived in the UK. God got me my visa. God, it's only God. God got me my job, God got me this, God, 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 and Now, fast forward five years. God help me. Ah, small little subtle addition. Little subtle addition. Couldn't leave it alone, could you? God help me. Yeah. It was my idea, but he kind of rubber stamped it, you know. <laughs> fast forward five years. Do you know what I did? Have you got any idea about the people in my past and how different I am from them? About the wise choices I made? Do you know who I am? <laughs> Fast forward five years. I don't need your advice. Thanks, Pastor. Don't need your advice. Don't need your help. I will act totally independently. I don't need you. You're not the first cookie to pass by me. You're not the first. And I have seen people like you and do you know where I see them end? What's the word? Ministry and? Madness. Madness. They end in a mess. And that can be the result of perceived success. It's perceived success. It's a God-given success. And the day that you start to drift away from that, that is a problem for you. I've given you three little, no, three little photos in your notes there. I'll send them to you later, guys on Zoom. I've got, I put a little addendum here. I've got nothing against Joel Osteen. <laughs> nothing whatsoever. I haven't got a clue who he is or anything about him, really. I, so this photo is not uh, slandering him at all. But I do like the photo. <laughs> I don't mean the photo of Joel Osteen. I mean the, the sentiment behind it. It's saying something about the modern church. Where, where's God there, then? I! I'm prosperous, I'm successful, I'm talented, I'm healthy, I'm positive, I'm beautiful, I'm attractive. Is God, he, he, uh, excuse me, what did Paul say? What a wretched, 
What a wretched man I am. And when this is all over, at the end of the game, guys, in the book of Revelation, it says, Woe to you! Why? Why? Because you say, I am now rich. I have increased my wealth. Go back over the first five years, second five years, third five years. Read the end of the book. They start thinking wrongly about themselves. Woe to you when Christ returns because you say, I am now rich. I have increased my goods. I have nothing. I don't need anything anymore. I don't even need God. Wow. Shocking. All the more shocking in these last days. Long-term service. Anywhere, any business, any ministry, there's statistical results in people's lives in that. One of them is that you think you're the center of the universe. And this point to me is, I was saying to you, this is the most important point today for me, because I see this everywhere I go. When the most important thing about a decision in a church or in a business is you, you've lost it. Do you remember the Good Samaritan? How will this affect me if I help him? Right? That's what the priest and the Levite said. What did the, this is Jesus talking. What did the Good Samaritan? How will it affect him, not me? But I sit in pastors' meetings all over this world. And I bring up a critical, serious issue. And I can see the leaders. I can see them thinking, how will this affect us as a church? Yeah. Big world you live in. God help us. How does this only affect me and my life and my world? That's a bad place to be. You should never get there. People who are successful in long-term success in their careers or in ministry, they stop listening to others. Right, we were praying early this morning. My wife was praying out loud. That was great. She was praying for you about discernment, that God would give you discernment. But as she was praying, she said, Lord, bless these people and you online with discernment. But God, make them aware that the gift of discernment first is given, that I would discern my own sin. The gift of discernment is not for me to point out everybody's evil. Look at this, look at this. The gift of discernment comes to you that you might know yourself. And get that log dealt with. And then you would be fit to come with discernment to other people. Hello? Amen? Good. Why do I say that? Because those who are successful for a long time stop listening to others. They feel they've got it together. They ask for feedback, but then they ignore the feedback. <laughs> yes. They believe they're smarter than everybody in the room. Be careful of being wise in your own eyes. Careful. When I say I'm strong, you're weak. And so Paul said, be careful when you think you're strong. You're actually weak. Paul delighted in his weakness, delighted in his foolishness. Praise God for the kingdom of God. Welcome to the kingdom of God. Not the world. Different criteria in here, eh? 
They become overconfident in their own opinions and their own solutions. So true of Putin, isn't it? Sorry, but it's a good example today. So overly confident, not getting feedback. Yeah, give you know bad feedback, you're going to end up shot or poisoned or in a gulag somewhere. My wife here lectured for years, many years, 15 years in the university systems in Colombia for in communication and protocol, protocols in connection with social communication. And we wrote this message together. She made a really interesting point to me. I thought it was fascinating uh, because this is her area of expertise. She was saying to me, in her opinion, a public speaker or someone who is successful for a long period at something, they're good at something, she said, that typical person probably has an ego 10 times greater than the average person. Just because you've been successful. I thought that's fascinating. You need to gauge that. You need to measure that. Because God's gifted every single one of you, every single one of you out there, out there. But once that starts to go to your head, you need to monitor that or you will absolutely become delusional. You never grow in an atmosphere that you control. I'm going to say it again. You will never grow in an atmosphere that you control. Sorry, I'm going to use Putin again. He's completely controlling, isn't he? Correct? Totally. Is he growing? No, he's probably just about to get assassinated, probably. Look at the results of control. Growth comes with vulnerability. Growth comes when I say, do you know what? I don't know everything. I know I've been doing this for 30 years, but let me make myself as a man of no experience. Let me not lean on my 10, 20, 30 years of expertise. Let me not lean on my qualifications. Thank you, Paul. And may God help us to be willing to be vulnerable. Secular examples, yes, Putin, but Hitler also virtually identical. He was in power too long. Too long with nobody speaking truth to power. That's what they say. Who speaks truth to power? In these situations, nobody. Kim Jong-un, we'll see what happens in times to come. It's not looking good, is it? <clears throat> so we thought a long time. There's no word. We haven't got a word. All we've got is veteran. <laughs> What's the anti-veteran? What, what is the word? So I just put down here, today we're going to commit to become a good veteran rather than a bad one. Today, whatever I do, wherever it is, your career, your work, your ministry, whatever it is, I want to become a good veteran in this area. I'll give you a few examples from scripture of good and bad. Nebuchadnezzar and Joseph. Look at Nebuchadnezzar. Look what happened to him. King. And he became totally aloof, totally proud. I have become the master of all I survey. Remember? And God was angry with Nebuchadnezzar. Very angry with him. And cast him into a place of insanity. Now look at Joseph. He's the prime minister. Do you see pride? No. 
Joseph, even though in a position of power and incredibly successful, Joseph, no attitude, no attitude. So don't be like Nebuchadnezzar. Be like Joseph. Look at King Saul. This is the overconfidence part. King Saul, right? He has a remit. He's a king, not a priest. Not a priest, and that's not your area. You weren't given that role by God. Saul's a king. And there's a very clear boundary to his role. But the king thing went to his head. What did he do? Overstepped the boundary into the priest role. Right? That's what he did. He thought, because I'm successful in one, I can do anything I want. That, my friend, is not true. That is not true. That role that Samuel had was given to Samuel by, by God and God alone. Saul lost his kingship over that issue. Do you know that? Doesn't get much more serious than that. That's I think that's absolutely heartbreaking. That's incredible. You stay within the God-given remit. And don't you dare step one foot across any boundary. Know your place and stay within that place because there's your security for your mentality. You're not going to start getting deluded. Pharaoh and David. Pharaoh had no care for the people, but I know David had his ups and downs. No problem. It's all in scripture. But he ended a good veteran, I believe. The Jews would certainly say that. And ultimately, Judas and G. Judas was the only politician. You know that? And the 12 apostles, the only politician. And ultimately, that got the better of him because he wanted a personal kingdom. He wanted to establish a personal kingdom, and he didn't. It failed, and it failed abysmally. And Jesus, who did not seek that, did not ask for that, but rather served his father's business. Don't be a Judas. Be a Jesus. Be about your father's business. Serve the kingdom of God. Eyes forward, everyone. This is critical. Critical, 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 critical. Look around the room. I know nearly everybody here very well. You guys are some of the most faithful of all people. May God bless you for that. Good on you. Well done. Jesus said the church is going to shrink in the last days. <laughs> yeah, Jesus said. He said it's going to get smaller. Mm -hmm. He said there's going to be a great falling away. Many will just stay on Zoom. That's what he said. That, see that step? That's one step. I'm warning you guys. I can't warn you anymore. You've taken one step this morning. Not everybody, because some of you are genuinely sick. But you've taken a step, and you've taken a step in the wrong direction. You need to get in here. Because many, many will fall away in the last days. They will become lovers of this world. Lovers of this world. Right? Be very careful. Now, I've been in a good church for a long time. I've been in this church nearly more than 30 years. And God has given me pastors, good men. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be here a long time. It's the same people. I've had good pastors, good disciples, good mentors. Like you, you've good people, good, pe good worship team here, great. 
exceptional. And all of that has benefited me. It's caused me to grow, be reasonably stable. All of these good things coming into my life, right? Listen to my point. It only takes one person to destroy that. All of this becomes nothing. If I permit, she calls them a feeder. Let me give you an example. Whether I'm preaching to a hundred people or a thousand people in this room this morning, right? Sometimes someone will try and take over a meeting publicly. I've had to do that many times. They regretted it, believe me. <laughs> I will never tolerate that anywhere. I'll just call the police or I'll do whatever I need to do, but you won't do that. That's what shepherds do. It's my job. You were probably there a couple of those times, which got very, very aggressive sometimes. That's your job. Right? There's one situation in a church that I can't control. So there's a thousand people. I'm in the middle of my message, right? There's one situation that I cannot control. I'm no longer in charge. Do you know what it is? When a baby starts crying. Yeah. Just come up and stand here and just watch. Over here, see? All the eyes just go to the baby. The attention just gone, right? And you just, you, who wins that argument? Who wins that fight? The baby! Every single time. No, mothers don't get the wrong idea of what I'm saying. I'm just making a very, very true point. Very true point. All attention is gone because of that one cry baby. Yeah. And God has given you and will continue to give you pastors, disciples, leaders, mentors in every area. But you get one victim, friend. One victim. And you permit that in your ear. It's all nothing. Because you're accountable for your influences. I've cut many people out of my life. So that I can retain that which God gives me. You're accountable for that. You're responsible. Jewels. Precious things. Say, yeah, thanks for the phone call, but no, 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 it's fine. The conversation's over. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I've got precious things in me. And I'm responsible before God for these jewels. And I will not continue this conversation, friend. Yeah, but I'm Irish. I'm Irish as well. But my, my loyalty is higher than Belfast say. Yeah. Look at what you've lost. Look at the leak. Who is it? Who's been stealing from you all these years? Who? Who? Who's the quiet baby? Who's the victim? You will never silence them. You have to separate from. Sorry, bad company corrupts good character. God can try to put that good character in you, give you every opportunity. But your own fake loyalties, false loyalties will kill you. That's another lesson from 30 years dealing with internationals. Sad. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm finished. I'm going to conclude with this. You've been in ministry a long time. Continue. Continue. After listening to this, I'm going to resign tomorrow. Right? No, 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 no. That's not what we're saying at all. You continue in your ministry 
as long as God calls you to continue in that ministry. However, I'm not going to let go to my head. Some of these worship leaders, am I right, Yohani? They think they're superstars. It's gone to your head. Fame and fantasy. You, 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 you live in fantasy. Some pastors behave like kings. Am I right or wrong? Henrietta, you sent me that. I remember that video. The pastor was entering his church walking over his members. Remember that? Walking because he was too holy. Lord. God help us. And some of you in your mind, you're saying, well, Jesus says I'm kings. Yes, but not like them. <laughs> not like those kings. Like King Jesus. Yes, you are kings, but not like that. And this starts to sneak into our churches and our behavior, our mentality. You're following the wrong role model. Continue to serve. And may God bless you with longevity in that ministry. Amen. But do not become proud. Stay humble. Don't become unteachable, unapproachable. Don't let it happen. Don't become more aggressive. But Abraham is a wonderful example. I'm Moses. Meekness with longevity. Isn't that wonderful? Meekness was the result of their longevity. We're going to have communion. Can't think of a better time, to be honest. <laughs> I got a word this morning, man. A few things happened today. So I woke up. Well, it was 4, 420, I think it was. You know what God said? Just, just, let's just say it. <laughs> so God spoke to me right, right there in the bed. And he said, the words that you will speak today, they are spirit and they are life. Right. The words that you will speak today, they are spirit and they are life. How oh, wonderful, huh? So I thought, thank you, praise the Lord. Wonderful. And then as I just lay there and I was contemplating that thought, I had a vision and I saw this restaurant. It was beautiful. Beautiful. Lights were fantastic. The tables were beautiful. It was just gorgeous. I thought, look at that restaurant. And they had lots of staff. Lots of waiters and cooks. And it was excellent. I look around. Only one problem with that place. <laughs> There's no food. <laughs> Funny that. What does that mean? There's no food. So I got up. I was walking around. The What's with the no food? I think God was just talking about us and this. Okay, the lights are okay. Not brilliant, huh? Maybe the chairs are fine, but they may not be exquisite. But at least you got food. And you can go to fine places. But there's no food. And you're going to look okay for the first month. And then you're going to die. Because there's no food. There's no food. Parents, feed your children. Feed your children. Don't be selfish. Feed your children. Take accountability today. 
So on the cross, Jesus accomplished many things. See this, it drives me crazy. But I did try the, the other thing and it didn't work, so let me just take this off here. On the cross, Joe, could you do the necessary for me? Thanks. On the cross, if I'd had more time or if I'd got, thank you, Michael, if I'd got this word that I got this morning at another time, I would have dedicated a whole day to it. Maybe on another occasion we'll come back and look specifically at it because it just blew me away this morning. On the cross, Jesus accomplished many things. Agreed? Mm -hmm. By his stripes, we have been healed. Amen. Jesus. But not just that. On the cross, he blessed my mind. He changed my mind. He was working on his own mind. Remember the blanket of deception? Do you remember that example? Yeah. When the soldiers took Jesus, listen everybody, look at me. You're on the same path. You're on the same path. When the soldiers took Jesus, it's horrible even to think about this. They put a blanket over his head, remember? And then they started to beat him. He started to experience pain in life. Remember what the soldiers said? Who did that? Who did it? See the mental torment? See the mental torment? In the mind. Trying to make him full of anxiety. Why is this happening to me? And on the cross, Jesus was dealing with the stress of that mentality. Do you get it? Amen. And in Christians in conflict, we've had some people, why is this happening to me? And Christ endured that so that you can take that deception away. The cross was also about my mind. Yes, it heals my body. Yes, it washes away my sin. But it also heals my mind. Do you remember Jesus had what on his head? The crown of a king? The crown of Queen Elizabeth? What crown? What kind of king was this then we're talking about? A king like the world? Was it? No. What crown did he have? What was he changing in his mindset? He was showing you that don't be like them. Don't be like Nebuchadnezzar. Don't be like the world. I'm not a king like that. I am a suffering servant king. And I will take it. And I will write my mind before my father. I will not exalt myself. I came to do his will. So I will wear a crown of thorns so you will know what a king is. Wow. And the other thing in scripture that we see at the communion table that Jesus did, forgive me, I need Sally wherever you are. Why did doctors need big names? When Jesus sweated blood in Gethsemane, it, said that, it says that his sweat became as blood rolling down his forehead. And that's a medical condition that comes in moments of extreme stress. So you see, absolute, Jesus healed my body. By his stripes I'm healed. His blood washed away my sin, but he's not done, is he? He's blessing my mind when the I don't know whys come along. He's showing me what a king is like, even with the pain that cost him to show me that. And 
then right there, he holds and holds and stands with the pressure of ministry, the pressure of holding on until your future is secure in God. Wow. Hallelujah. What a savior. Hallelujah. What a savior. Sorry. Excuse me. in Laodicea it's the end times church it's us and Jesus comes and he says if you let me into your life I'm going to come in and I'm going to eat and sup with you in these last days invite you to do that this morning we're on a journey we're on a journey I'll invite you to come and eat and sup with the king Shabani could you serve the team the worship team please come and take your bread and wine and bring it back to your seat they can come forward yeah please come forward and receive your own bread and wine this morning yeah could you want to take over from this point is that okay thank you michael you can just get the name do it those on zoom you can also get a small bread or a piece of this and some actually joining in this holy communion is very important Thanks. Jesus is still with us. Always. Hallelujah.